Good morning to you. Good morning. Matthew seven twenty four. Jesus our Lord. He says, Everyone who hears these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto a man who built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it did not fall because it was founded upon a rock. And our Lord continues and says, Everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, I will liken unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. Upon the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. I want to focus with you today on the idea of an obedient mind obedient mind. Last week we focused on the peaceful mind, having a mind of peace. Today I want us to focus on having a mind of obedience, obedient mind. This is a good time for this. Back in our Bible classes, our little ones and even older ones have been studying individuals from the book of Acts who come to know the will of God and obeyed that will such as uh, Saul of Tarsus from Acts 9, uh, such as the Ethiopian eunuch of Acts 8, uh, such, uh, such as Simon the sorcerer of Acts chapter 8, many of the Samaritans of Acts chapter 8. So we've been studying obedience back in our classes with our little ones and even older ones. And then also it's helpful today because here in the auditorium earlier, Brother Chris led us in led this class in the journey of obedience, talking about how that Jesus expects obedience and how that His love uh, motivates us uh, for obedience, that, that when we obey, we've got to have inf- information. It's got to be uh, an obedience that's informed by the will of God. Also, uh, He made the emphasis that when we obey, we always obey God over men. God's will takes precedence over men, and sometimes obedience is not all that easy. Sometimes it's, it's difficult. So all these surroundings of obedience helps us today in worship to focus on the obedient man. I want us to stay right here with Jesus and talk about the wise man and foolish man in Matthew 7. Let's begin by notice some things, noticing some things they have in common. The wise man and foolish man of Jesus' parable here, Matthew 7. Notice some, some things they have uh, in, common, in common. First, they were both men. They were both males. They were both men. Now, Jesus says this parable applies to everyone. Whoever hears my sayings and does them, I will liken unto a wise man. But the men in the story are men. Both of them are men. God expects men to rise up and be godly. Paul says in 1 Timothy 2 and 13 that Adam was first formed and then Eve. Also there in 1 Timothy 2 verse 8, Paul says, I will therefore have to men, the men to pray everywhere. Lifting up holy hands without wrath 
and disputing. God expects men to lead the way in godliness. He expects us men to lead the way in service. Very serious about this. You remember back in Genesis uh, 3 when Adam and Eve sinned? And God come to talk to them about that. And Adam and Eve went and hid themselves because they saw they were naked. Genesis 3 and verse 9, God says, Adam, where are you? Where are you? And Adam um, answered and said, well, Lord, I, I heard you walking in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. The Lord said, uh, who told you you were naked and did you eat of the tree that I commanded you not to eat? He said, Adam said in response, the woman you gave to me, she gave me of the fruit and I ate it. And then God said to Adam, notice this, what is this that you have done? You, Adam, what have you done? What have you done? And so, first of all, notice that both were men. God expects, God is calling the men. He expects all people, of course, males and females, to serve Him faithfully. But men, this, this sets the stage for men to lead the way in service and godliness to God. So that's one thing they had in common, the rich, or rather the wise man and the foolish man. The wise man and foolish man also in Jesus' parable have this in common. Both of them were builders. Both of them were builders. Both of them have the same dream. They want to build a house. Okay. It's interesting that the word house takes on more meanings than simply a physical building in the Bible. Okay. For example, the word house can, can mean a man's life, like here in Jesus' parable. He's talking about a man's life. A man's life. God can lead us to have a life that counts for him. Right. right here in Matthew chapter 5, 13 to 15, Jesus talks about how sometimes we become like salt that has lost its savor. And it is thenceforth uh, good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. If we're not following God, we, we're not really counting uh, for Him. Okay. So the idea of a house can refer to a man's life, but also it can refer to a man's family. Man's family. First Timothy three in verse four talks about a man, uh, a, a Christian gentleman, a mature man managing his own household well, doing it well. And as you know, the word house can refer to church, to the church, to the kingdom of God. First Timothy three fifteen, and the word house in the Bible can refer to our home up above, the, the eternal home with God. Jesus said, "In my Father's house." Our many mansions, John 14, uh, 1 through 3. But the idea is this, that before God, a man has a responsibility in all these areas. A man is to be personally godly before God. A man is to lead his family to be godly. A man is to be involved in church and help others develop their faith and be godly. And a man for God wants everybody. He works diligently for everybody to get to go uh, to heaven. So both the men, both the men in this parable are, are builders. Both are builders. Both are men and both are builders. And a third thing they have in common is that both are religious. 
Both are spiritually minded. Both of them search out Jesus and listen to him. It might, might be, both of them went to sort of the same uh, gathering and listening uh, to Jesus. They had, a, they had a, a conscience about their soul. And a fourth thing they have in common is, and this is very important, they went to the right person. They went to Jesus. Notice in this parable, Matthew 7, 24 and following, that Jesus said, Jesus said, whoever hears these words of mine, see that makes all the difference. Whoever hears these words of mine, Jesus is not just anybody. He's, he's not just a man. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a good man. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a preacher. This is the one, this is the one, this is the only one who can guide our souls the way it needs to be done. Whoever hears these sayings of mine, of mine. You remember earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 22 and Matthew 5, 28 and furthermore, Jesus would say, you've heard it said in old time, but I say unto you. He says that several times there in Matthew 5. You've heard it said by others, you've, had it, you've heard it said in the old law, but I say unto you. Jesus has all authority. In John 6 and verse 63, Jesus says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit, they are life. John twelve forty eight, the Lord said, The words that I speak to you, the same will judge you in the last day. Okay. So both of these are men. Both of them are builders. Both of them are religious. Both of them went to the right person. And then a final thing I think they have in common is both of them experienced storms in life. Both the wise man and the foolish man both encounter storms in life. This is so true to reality, isn't it? This is how it is, isn't it? Job says in Job 14, 1 and 2, Man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. And like Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 45, God causes the rain to fall upon the just and uh, the unjust. And so notice here that they have some things uh, in common, both the wise man and the foolish man. Notice before we move on that the foolish man had some good things going for him. I mean, we don't read anything about him getting into uh, sins that would be rather notorious. We don't, uh, we don't read anything but the fact that he's wanting to provide a house for his family. He is interested in going to hear the words of God. He's interested in, in Jesus, the one who can guide his soul. He had several good things going for him, but still he ends up being foolish, and things don't go well because he does not do uh, the will of God. So I want us to first see some things they have in common. Second big part of our message today is to notice some contrast between the wise man and foolish man. Notice some contrast some differences between the wise man and the foolish man. First, notice the contrast of doing. Of doing. This is obvious, but it's so important. Okay. Notice the contrast of doing. The wise man heard the sayings of Jesus and did them. The foolish man heard the very same sayings of Jesus and did not uh, do them. In fact, that right there is the big three-letter difference in all of life, isn't it? That, that word not, 
That's the big three-letter difference in all. It makes the difference in everything that ever happens from now or in the past or from then, from here on. That's the big three-letter difference. Going back up to Matthew seven twenty-one, we read Jesus saying, "Not, not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father." Uh, who is in heaven. Of course, Luke 6, 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Matthew 23, 2 and 3, Jesus said, Don't follow the works of the Pharisees, for they say and do not. The Lord says in John 15, verse 14, You are my friends if you do whatsoever I, I command you. You see, it's not just about information. We need information. We need to be informed as we seek to obey God. But it's not just about the information. It's about the doing, uh, taking action upon, responding to uh, the will of God. It's about a full education is how I like to look at it. You know, we're not fully being educated until we take the information and we're, we're living it out in our, in our lives. And I love Jesus' statement here in John 13, verse 17. It gives you a full education. If you want one verse... It says, here's how I go about educating, having a real God-given education. This is it, John 13, uh, verse 17. This is in the context of Jesus having washed the disciples' feet. Okay? He says, if you know these things, John 13, 17, if you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Now notice the, the comprehensive aspect of that education. First, you've got to know the things in Jesus. Secondly, you've got to do the things in Jesus. And then thirdly, you've got to have the proper attitude as you do them. If you know these things, happy are you. Happy are you. If the commands of God are not making us joyous, if they're not making us happy, then we've got to go back and, and reread and, and, and seek it out and do it again. And so notice the contrast of of doing, the contrast of doing. Those who would say that, well, God doesn't give any conditions to salvation. You need to wake up. There is a doing aspect of it. Those who would take lightly the principles and the commands and conditions of God, those who would take those things lightly need uh, to wake up. So this is a contrast of doing. Notice another contrast between the wise man and foolish man, that is, a contrast of foundations. Contrast of foundation. The wise man in Jesus' story builds his house upon the rock. It was founded upon a rock. But of course the foolish man built his house upon the sand. What corresponds to that of course is those who hear God's word and then they actually carry it out in their lives, they're building on that rock. But those who hear God's words and do not carry them out fully uh, in their lives, then they're building their their life on sand, on sand. There's a contrast of, of foundation. It all starts with foundation, doesn't it? Okay. When you're building a house, you don't start with the doors. You don't start with the windows. You don't start, start with the studs for the wall. You start with the foundation. And we are banking on that when we're building. We bank on that. Okay. We're banking on the, on the ability and the security of that foundation for everything else that happens after that. So it is in life. So it is in religion. The foundation is plain. 
we're hearing the word of God and we're carrying it out in our lives, that is the foundation for everything else that follows no matter what it is, no matter what it is. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11, Paul says, Other foundation can no man lay than that which has been laid, even Christ Jesus. That's, that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here, building uh, that foundation. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. Psalm 127 verse 1. And then not only a contrast of doing and a contrast of foundations, but also notice here a contrast of effort, of effort, a contrast of effort. You see, especially with Luke's account, there's two... There's two good accounts here, Matthew 7 and then Luke 6, 46, 49. Uh, this effort of the wise man is brought out in Luke's account. But, but the, the wise man, in getting his proper foundation, he had to investigate. He had to search for the proper land, and he had to investigate and then search some more and then finally found it. And then he had to dig down. Luke's account says he had to dig down and, and find that rock, and he found it, and then he was able to... Uh, to to remove the dirt, get, get a place for his house, and then build his house there. The wise man doesn't do this at all. So notice the contrast in effort uh, that is made. This is huge. This is huge. Uh, in your mind or, or on a piece of paper, you're going to make two columns. Uh, head, the heading of one column will be sand, and the heading of the other column will be rock. Okay, underneath the sand, put these words. Uh, quick. Easy, cheap, convenient. Okay. And that's why people build on the sand. That's why the wise man built on the hand on the sand. Because it was quicker, it was it was easier, okay, it was cheaper, okay, and it was more convenient. Okay. But for those who seek out the proper foundation, it's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to, to take um, it's going to be harder. It's going to be more expensive, and a lot of times, and even most of the time, it's not going to be convenient. But there it is. Do you want the proper foundation or, or not? Now, I mentioned earlier that, about the eunuch of Acts chapter 8. I love this guy. He is um, he's the treasurer for the queen of Ethiopia. I would dare say none of you sitting here today, or even a combination of some of us, here today was as busy as this treasurer. He's very busy. Okay. But he has something more important on his mind. In Acts 8, he has been to Jerusalem to worship. He's very much interested in the true God and he is willing to carve out time for praise and honor to the true God. But he's also searching his scriptures. And he's in this chariot. And God sends Philip to him. Okay. Is he too busy? Now, this is time away from worship. I know that's sacred territory. That is sacred territory. Look, I know that is sacred territory. You begin to ask people to carve out any time beyond worship time, then that is sacred territory to, to so many people. But look at this eunuch. He is, he is yes, Philip, come on up. Come on up. Because he knows it takes time, it takes effort, it, it's not always convenient, it's not always the most 
cheapest route to go, but still he was in search for salvation. He was in search of knowing who Jesus is. And in so doing, taking this route, uh, he was building for himself a great uh, foundation. So notice the contrast in foundation, in contrast in effort, but also contrast in vision, I'd say. Vision. The wise man had a vision. He knew, he knew storms of life were coming. He knew that. Okay. Just a matter of when, not if. So he built appropriately, but the wise man didn't have that long view. The wise, the, the wise man had the long view, but the foolish man had the short view. Okay. It's like the fellow who's really working hard, training hard because he wants to be on he wants to be an athlete. He wants to be on this team or that team. But then there's some friends who are doing some things very pleasurable. And he, so he decides he's just going to break his routine of rigorous uh, training and he's going to go with his friends a few days, a few nights and then all of a sudden he's, he's way behind. And what about that guy who plays all semester long? Which when you're in school, when you're in college, you can just play all semester long. You can just kind of make your way through. But then he faces those, those exams uh, later on in the, in the semester. And that, that kind of pictures this foolish man. Uh, he's, he's taking the convenient route. He's taking the cheap route. He's taking the fun route. Uh, he, yeah, he's taking the fast route. But eventually, uh, the test of life comes. Eventually, that judgment uh, time comes. And so I wanted us to notice together some things the, the wise man and the foolish man have in common. But also notice some things that, that are contrasted here by Jesus uh, in this story. And then finally today, I want us to see some conclusions for us. Some conclusions for us. I want us to see that a blessing can turn into a condemnation. A blessing can turn into a condemnation. This foolish man in the story was very blessed to be able to listen to Jesus in the story. He was able to hear words not just from a representative of Jesus, but from Jesus himself. Have you ever wanted to hear the perfect sermon? This fellow was able to hear. He was able to hear words from the Lord. Okay. But because he didn't do the words, his blessing turns into a, a combination. And if we're not careful, we can become professional hearers. Instead of doers of the word, as James mentions in James 1, uh, 22, he says, Be ye doers of the word, as you know, James 1, 22. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Isn't it amazing that the devil can take something that's, that's good, like hearing the word, and then work it against us? Okay. Urging us and deceiving us and, and teasing us tempting us to go don't 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 have a follow through on that don't follow through on what you've heard don't do that that's what Satan Satan is fine with us hearing all we want to hear but 
following through on it, he's going to work very hard that we don't follow through on it. So James says in James 1.22, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving your own selves. For he that hears the word and, and does not do it is like a man who uh, beholds himself, beholds his natural face in a glass, he says. For uh, he, he looks at himself and then he, he goes his way and in his straight way he forgets what manner of man he was. James 1.25 says, though, if you continue in the Word, okay, be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the Word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now notice James 1.25, it's possible to become a forgetful hearer. It's possible to remember exactly what God has said, but if we don't actually carry those out, if we don't do them, if we don't surrender in obedience to them, then God labels us as a forgetful hearer. Yeah, you heard, but you haven't truly heard until you begin to do what you've heard. Okay. So a blessing can be turned into condemnation. Another thing to consider is to notice just how absurd it was for the foolish man to build his house on a sandy, uh, sandy shore of a, of a river bank. That's, that would just be absurd. And just be, it's, it's ridiculous even to think of that. But oftentimes what we will do in, in day-to-day life is different than what we do with God for some reason or another. Okay. We would probably never go out here and build a house on, on sand. Okay. We just wouldn't do that. We're going, to, we're going to do the best we can do in building a house, put it in the very best spot so it can weather the storms. It can be there for a very long time. We're going to do all the structuring we can do to do it right in day-to-day life. But when it comes to God, sometimes we do the most absurd things. We do the most ridiculous things, such as hearing the Word and never carrying it out in our lives. A lot of... Another thing to take away from this, conclude with it, is to remember that many Bible-believing people will look at Jesus' words and they'll say, yeah, I see that. I got, I got to build a foundation. But then they want to, um, they want to cheat a little. You know. um, they're more interested, it seems like, in building more of a sandy rock than to build on a firm rock. In other words... They'll hear God's words, but they won't carry out all they know. They'll just carry out what they feel like is enough to get them by. Okay. That is building a sandy, at best, maybe, probably not, a sandy rock. We're good. We're good at seeing what God has to say to us and then sort of uh, uh, saying, yes, but... Yes, but I'm, I'm going to do some, but not all. And we're good at mixing it up. And some don't wait to hear God's word. They'll, they'll like Jesus said in Matthew 15, verse 6, to the, to the Pharisees, he says, he says, well, your traditions, you've made void the word of God. So some people will add God's, to God's word. They'll add you know, traditions or they'll add what somebody else has said or some man's opinion or group of men's. Opinions and they mix it with the Word of God, and, 
And Jesus said, when you do that, you make the word of God void. You just cancel it out. And so we don't need to do that. We need to build on the true and the proper and strong uh, foundation. We need to know also, as we conclude here, that a faulty foundation can be repaired. It can be repaired. It does. It's difficult. Difficult. You've heard the advertisements. Perhaps you've even been involved in trying to repair a faulty foundation in day-to-day life. Okay, it's more difficult. Okay, it's going to be some work. It's going to be expensive, but it can be done. So in spiritual realm, it can be done. Okay, if it is that you're here today and you haven't been building that foundation, you haven't been on that solid rock with Jesus and and doing His will, you can repair that. Okay, but it starts with a surrendering to the Lord and His ways. Okay. No other way, a complete surrendering uh, to His ways. And then being willing to, to be inconvenienced, being willing to uh, take out time. But it can be done. You can repair a faulty foundation. And let's also remember as we conclude here that the storms of life reveal quite a bit. Now there's a big storm coming that's the last day of the judgment day. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. We all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things done in our bodies, whether it be good or whether it be bad. That's what we're preparing for. And when that time comes, what will be the situation with your house? Will it stand firm because it is founded upon a rock? Or will it fall? And if there is a fall, it will be a great fall. Will it fall? And so we come together to encourage one another, to remind each other of these important truths, and also to carry away from here for the Lord an obedient mind. Are you subject to the Lord's call today? Won't you come right now as we stand together, as we sing?